I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Melissa Groves Azero, RDNLD, is an integrative registered dietitian and owner of Atacavo Grove Nutrition and Wellness, an in-person and virtual private practice specializing in women's health and hormone issues, including PCOS and fertility. Melissa uses a functional medicine foods first approach that combines holistic lifestyle changes with evidence-based medicine. Melissa is a second career dietitian, having worked as a copywriter and editor in New York City advertising for 15 years before going back to school for nutrition. Melissa was awarded the Emerging Women's Health Dietitian of 2019 by the Women's Health DPG and an upward award from Food Minds in 2019. She has a cookbook, A Balanced Approach to PCOS, coming out in August of this year, which is available for pre-order on Amazon. Additionally, her course, PCOS Root Cause Roadmap, will be relaunching for a second time this spring. She has served on DIFM Leadership Team Social Media Chair since 2018 and is the upcoming chair-elect. She also serves on the New Hampshire State Board as Professional Development Chair. If you could share your social media handles with us. Yeah, my website is avocadogrovenutrition.com. I have not yet changed that over because the domain switch is so difficult. Everywhere else, I'm the hormone dietitian. So on Instagram, I'm the hormone dietitian. On Facebook, it's the same. And on Twitter, I'm the hormone RD. Fantastic. And I, I have to ask, since you gave multiple social feeds, which one is your favorite and why? Absolutely. Instagram. It's, you know, I, when I started all my social accounts at the same time, it was just so much easier to grow and develop that community on Instagram versus the others. I I literally hate Twitter. Like I hate Twitter. It's full of mean people. (laughs) And I haven't quite, I feel like I'm a little old to, to start TikTok, but you know, maybe I'll hire an intern to do that for me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's it's definitely fun. And uh, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm obsessed with Instagram and I love your work on Instagram. So I was just curious which one was your favorite, but we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you. So if you could start off, Melissa, and talk about your nutrition philosophy for those who aren't following you or don't know who you are, I want to make sure that they're clear with your standpoint. So I use a a functional medicine root cause approach using food as medicine to address hormonal imbalances such as PCOS and fertility issues. And I do that without eliminating any foods. So it's really, you know, what can we add to your diet to make it better is really my, my philosophy. Fantastic. And how did you get into that niche and specialty? Oh, it's kind of funny. I was working, um, one of my first jobs as an RD was working for a local functional medicine RD who specialized in gut health. And so I would see all of the weight loss clients 
And, you know, when you're working from a functional medicine perspective, I would look at these clients and look at their, you know, what they were eating, how much they were exercising. It was like, I don't understand why you're not losing weight, like calories in, calories out, like it's not adding up. Um, and when we would start to do the digging and we would get lab tests back on them, I would see that there was almost always a hormonal issue. You know, either they had high insulin or high cortisol or low thyroid, or they had a condition like PCOS, which I thought was really interesting. So when I left that practice and opened my own, I knew I wanted to specialize in women's health. And in particular, I felt like women with PCOS had been given kind of a bum rap by conventional medicine. And there was a lot of room to, to help those women above and beyond what they were getting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the story. I, I love that you took that personal experience and noticed some patterns and were able to really lean into that, right? Mm-hmm. And empower women through obviously what you do now with your business and your amazing marketing message. So are you comfortable sharing with the audience about your goals um, and how much money you make? A little bit. Um, You know, I can say I started my business in 2018 and I remember reading January 2018 and I remember reading in Facebook groups, oh, don't expect to be profitable in the nutrition business for at least three years. And I remember reading quote that's like, in year one, they sleep, in year two, they creep, and in year three, they leap. And I was like, three years is a really, really long time to go making no money. And I was working another job when I started my practice. I had a really, really fun job as a retail dietitian at a local grocery store chain. So I was in there doing food demos and it was just twice a week. So it was, you know, really the perfect stability to allow me to grow my practice on the side. And I actually ended up leaving that position much sooner than I anticipated because my practice picked up so, so quickly. So yeah, within six months, I was profitable. I had a pretty decent first year. And then 2019, which was my full second year in practice, was a six-figure year. And I'm on track for, you know, to, to do better than that this year as Congratulations. well. Congratulations. this year I've added, you know, in addition to one-on-one clients this year, I've also added courses. So and, and they- on track. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. I really like that reframe of how you were told it'll take three years and you said, nope, (laughs) six months. (laughs) And I think that sends such a great message to dietitians who feel that it might take five or 10 years and it discourages them from getting started and taking this seriously. Yeah, I would like to say, you know, coming from a place where I worked in advertising, where, you know, a six-figure salary in New York City basically means you can pay for rent and food, maybe. Um, But by the end, you know, I was a vice president, I was making decent money. Um, So my goal was to make as much in my nutrition practice as I did in advertising. And last year, I missed that mark by 6,000 in my second year. It's fantastic. And I will say, mostly it gives you an edge though, to say that you want to match that because I do feel like a lot of dietitians listening, at least in my experience, is that they're not clear with revenue goals. And so if you're not clear with what you want to make and what you want to match, it's harder to actually get there. So I hope for the listeners, this is inspiring for you to set revenue goals and realize that you can do it sooner. And when you have clarity, it inspires you to go on that track. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Excellent. Okay. So if you could talk about, uh, you, you did talk about why you chose, you know, to go into the hormone space and PCOS and you had experiences with women and you identified issues. Can you talk about what allowed you to get like more clear with your ideal client and, and how that changed any of your marketing? Yeah. So I had already done a little work identifying my ideal customer avatar, my ICA, based on past clients that I enjoyed working with the most. And that made me really refine that. So I have a very, very clear picture of who the person that I'm talking to is. And I talk only to that person. Um, So it's kind of funny because I'll occasionally get messages from women not in my exact niche asking for more content on like PCOS and menopause or um, I got one where someone was telling me I shouldn't use the term women with PCOS because it doesn't address the trans men who also have PCOS. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I'm, I'm, you know, totally get it. However, I'm speaking to 32 year old Kayla who lives in New York city and has a job much like the job that I used to have. So she doesn't have time to meal prep. She, you know, travels all the time for work. You know, she doesn't really cook, you know, she's starting to think about her fertility, but she's not like actively trying to get pregnant. So like I really interviewed a lot of potential ICAs about their lifestyle and, you know, basically where they shop, what they read, what they listen to, what they wear. Like, you know, I, I really know this woman <laughs> for sure. And, and, and that's fantastic. And how has you getting clear with this woman paid off in your, you know, ability to build your business? Yeah. So another thing I did pretty early on was I developed those message buckets um, of the types of posts that I post and they address particular needs in her life. You know, as opposed to in the beginning when I was like, posting pretty food pictures and, you know, things that I thought they needed to learn or wanted to know, um, where now I really know what they want to know. Absolutely. So you're clear with the ideal client, you know what kind of content to make for her, and then your mindset is able to understand when your audience says things like, I want you to create content for something different, but then respect that you're creating content for one person. And when you double down on that, you're able to serve and deliver better for that person and, and realize you're not talking to everybody, which is a lesson that's so hard for all of us to learn. And every, honestly, every time I get an email back from, you know, I have my, my nurture sequence and every time I get an email back saying, it's like you're in my brain. I'm like, I know I'm doing exactly the right thing. You know, that's fantastic. And that, and so that, does that help your mindset when you have hard days? And you just have to say, you know what, I'm on track. I know that there's always going to be that 10 or 15% that kind of rattles you. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know if it's because like, I'm a little bit older as well. But I, you know, I'm definitely at that point in my life where I don't really care what other people think. So if I'm not for you, like, goodbye, unfollow, like, nice to nice to meet you go on your way. Like, you know, I really don't let that stuff affect me at all. And I know so many dietitians get caught up in that number, like, oh my God, 130 people unfollowed me today. In my mind, that means you're doing something right because you're, you're making them, what's the word when they like 
self-eliminate as an ideal client. It's like they've taken themselves out of the pool for you. Like you don't have to worry about it when people unfollow or unsubscribe. I'm like, great, I don't have to pay for you on my email list. Right. And so you have a really good positive mindset about that. You're obviously great at reframing, which is, you know, you're successful and successful people have a positive mindset. What tips do you have since you mentioned a lot of dietitians do struggle with this? A lot of my listeners are not able to do that yet. So do you have any like advice for them? Yeah, you really can't, you know, I, and I talk about this with my clients too, a little bit, like you can't tie your self-worth to the number on the scale, for example. Um, You can't tie your self-worth to the number of followers you have on any given day. You know, what matters more than the number is, are the people who are following you engaged? You know, are they hanging on your every word? I definitely have, you know, what I consider the super fans who will literally anything I put out, they will buy any, any post I post, they comment on, you know, and, and these are people who could eventually become clients or, you know, some of them are actually former clients who just continue to hang on every word I say, because they, you know, want to continue to have that guidance. Yeah. And then for the listeners out there, it's possible to get those super fans. And the next question I'm going to ask is going to help you explain how you're able to build that because I think we all want those super fans, right? We want to get to that point where we have those, those people who know, like, love and trust us. And, 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 and really that helps build your credibility. So when implementing a strategy or strategic methodology with posting on social media, can you talk about your process and outcome as to how you get these super fans, right? Yeah, so my my messages were already on point, if not a little bit disorganized. Like they definitely weren't as structured into like, okay, today I'm posting this bucket, tomorrow I'm posting that bucket. But they weren't getting seen by anybody, you yeah. know? And I have to say, I really, really, and you're going to love this, I really dragged my feet about changing my handle because it was Avocado Grove Nutrition, which is the name of my business. And avocados are my favorite food and Groves was my last name. So, you know, it had a personal meaning. And it's really funny because having worked in advertising, I have no ego about my writing whatsoever because in advertising, you, you know, spend hours writing something and the client's like, I don't like it, change it. (laughs) Um, So you just have to kind of learn that, you know, again, your self-worth isn't wrapped up in what you do. So, you know, it's all about what the client wants. So I don't really know why I thought this was any different than that was. But, you know, you kind of have to swallow your pride and be like, nobody knows who the F Melissa Groves is. Nobody knows what Avocado Grove Nutrition is. Nobody is searching for those things. So once I bit the bullet and I changed my name to the hormone dietitian, it was like an explosion because basically, you know, anytime I engage on someone's post and leave a comment or my profile pops up as suggested people to follow, they know exactly what I do by looking at my name. You know, so the outcome, I mean, I was at 2,000 followers, and by January 2020, I was at 24,000. And now 
you know, growth kind of averages about 500 to 600 a week um, without me really doing anything. I'm definitely posting a lot more than I, I was in that intense growth period, you know, and I'm currently at 28.3,000. And, you know, the bigger outcome is that 92 to 95% of my clients find me on Instagram. Amazing. I, I survey, you know, I keep track of those things. And yeah, that's where they find me, which is, is crazy. So, I mean, I know like the last few weeks have been really difficult. I think, you know, engagement, maybe we'll start to bounce back once there's more of a sense of normalcy um, and, the, you know, the new normal kind of settles in because the bottom line is PCOS and fertility struggles aren't stopping for a pandemic. So, and this is actually really the ideal time to work on some of the nutrition and lifestyle stuff because we, you know, most people have more time now. I do also want to mention that one major investment I made, which was actually inspired by you. um, And I remember telling you at Fancy last year when I, when I saw you, was I found and hired a local brand photographer so that Every month I get a shoot, I get a set of digital, edited digital photos to use however I want. Um, And that really saved me a lot of time. You know, I try to plan out my strategy a month in in advance about what I want to talk about that month. Like, for example, in December, I did estrogen detox December. So I spent a lot of time photographing things that, that lined up with that. Yeah. So, so that's and they look amazing. Your photos look fantastic. And I love, I'm so happy that you've got a local brand photographer and I, whether you're listening and and if you're not ready to do quarterly, um, I think at least once a year, just have some semi updated, uh, a, you know, we all need a headshot, right? Um, it's so much fun and it's a great way to sprinkle that into your content. Um, but thank you for, for sharing that. Cause I, I love when dietitians do that. Yeah, she's um she's actually amazing and I think that's one of the benefits of not living in a big city anymore is like she's like the price for me was a no-brainer and it forced me to up level and continually get more photographs cuz now I have it on my calendar every month, you know. Yeah, and you that's taking it seriously, right? It's part of your content strategy, you know how to use it, you let them the audience build the know, like and trust. So, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, when you decided to use social media as a business tool and an example is what you just said, you know, you get in that brand photography. Um, can you explain the differences in your mindset and just the engagement when you, uh, you did mention um, that you switched your handle and you mentioned that you get most of your clients. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, my practice is about 99% virtual. So um, in my case, social media really is the best way to reach those, those potential clients because they are searching the hashtags. I find that with a virtual practice, those sort of typical old school marketing strategies that, you know, for local private practices don't work very well for me. You know, I have a health prof account, but I get maybe two calls a month from that. And they're never ideal clients. You know, in the beginning, I did the like spread the flyers and the business cards around town. Um, And again, I never really got anyone appropriate. So by, you know, the fact that I control what I put out on social media, I'm attracting the type of people I want to work with. You know, and I, I started 
my Facebook and my Instagram at the same time. And I mean, it's just ridiculous, the difference. I mean, like 28,000 on Instagram compared to, I think I'm at like 850 on Facebook. It's just really slow going. You know, you really do kind of have to pay to play on Facebook, you know, and I, I really didn't realize there would be so many people on Instagram searching for health information, but they, they are, and, you know, they're really strong communities, the, the fertility community, especially like they send each other presents and they have like virtual happy hours. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing the um, community that you're able to build on. Um, Absolutely amazing. And I love that you have been able to track where you get your clients from, use this as a business tool, up-level your strategy, and then role model for other dietitians. So I think it's incredible what you've been able to do. And um, yeah, the strategy for Facebook and Instagram, it's different, even though they're like technically owned by the same person, it's definitely a different strategy. Yeah, Um, I I will say something that's been moderately successful for me is Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you're going to be on Facebook, that is really where the sales happen um, inside the groups because it is easier to build that no like and trust factor inside a group. And when you say groups, if they're owned by somebody else, how do you manage that? If they're- no, they're owned by me. So oh, I, oh I okay. Have, yeah, I have a free PCOS group, a free fertility group, and I have a new group that is only for members and alumni of my course. Okay. So for the the listeners, that's a a free group and a paid group. So the paid group is only for people who are clients and the free is part of your part of you building the no like and trust. And then I'm Mm -hmm. guessing you're trying to sell them from the free group into the paid group. And then you have a strategy for that and you are converting. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's one of the funnels that gets them into my course or into working with me one on one. Now, do you send them from Instagram to free Facebook or are they just separate? How does that strategy work? I do. Um, in my marketing strategy, I, I set up in Asana as recurring tasks, you know, what I want to promote on certain days so that I'm not over promoting something. And I'm like, did I promote an affiliate this day or when was the last time I did this? So I just, I set it up as recurring tasks in asana so it's like you know every 10 days i will post about the free facebook group just a little reminder like hey did you guys know i have a free group Um, yeah fantastic so you're you're organized you have a strategy you have accountability and you're using technology to keep you on track with making sure you're driving sales Um, oh my god i live and die by my my asana yeah yeah that's fantastic me too yeah i love that and for the listeners, you know, there's so many other tools that you can use. The, the concept is just making sure you're tracking it and you have a plan and a strategy and that the outcome is being measured, which you, you are. You're saying 90 something percent coming from, from Instagram and that, that's, that's what I want the listeners to do too. Like know where your clients are coming from. And if you don't get clients, uh, then you start there. Yeah, <laughs> start absolutely. <there>. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. And then um, if you, you kind of already talked to us about it, but if you could just, is there anything more you want to add about how you use Instagram to market? Well, you talked about marketing, but what about to sell? Yeah. So that's really interesting. I, I definitely feel like feed posts are what grow your followers. 
because they're searching those hashtags. But the selling happens in stories because they are responding to the story. They, you know, they're, I use the story as, you know, much the same way you do as, um, you know, sort of casual off the cuff. They kind of see like behind the scenes, what I'm making for dinner, that kind of stuff. I do post pictures of my cats, which, you know, I have, I have uh, like right? cat <laughs> fans who, uh, who know the cat's names and stuff. Um, so they're, you know, they'll message me in response to a story and in been a little while since I've done this but in the beginning I would just you know if they were an appropriate fit I would send them the link to book a discovery call with me I have had a wait list so I I now will send them the wait list link to apply you know if they're appropriate why do you have to say one thing took a lot of pressure off of me was just that overwhelming number of messages that I get, DMs that I get every single day. And it kind of like took the guilt off of me. It's like, I can't save everyone. I can't respond to everyone. I'm only, I'm only replying to ideal potential clients and I'm only doing it two days a week. Right. So, you know, I just, I, it's, it's so hard. Like our brains are so trained when we see that like notification pop yeah. up to like do something or get anxiety about it. So I've kind of trained myself to ignore the little, yeah. and <laughs> um, it, it's and really, I just kind of go through, you know, when on my terms, when I have time. Yeah. And it's really full circle, right? Because we mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you are creating content for your ideal client. And then you are also responding and engaging only with your ideal client. And it is difficult on so many levels. At first, it's difficult to talk to one person. Then it's difficult to hear people complain that you're not talking to other people. And then you have to process what is the best use of your time as a business owner to give the best service and value to your audience. And that sometimes at your level, that, that means you don't respond to all of the messages if they're not related to who you're helping. And so I like, like going down that tiered approach. And, and I think that for the listeners who haven't experienced that yet, knowing that that can come is a sign of success. And I, I really appreciate you sharing how you've been able to handle that. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to, you know, shoot the poop about hormones in my DMs all day, but that does not pay the bills. So, you know, I really have to uh, limit the amount of interaction to the the ones who are are going to be appropriate clients. Yep, to work and with. and that is that is part of your sales strategy, right? It is. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. A couple, couple last questions to wrap up here. What has been the biggest challenge and surprisingly easier than expected uh, with regard to your offer? Yeah. So the biggest challenge actually, you know, hasn't really been around sales or marketing for me because that, you know, was, was my background. <laughs> biggest challenge has been like, like a, a logistics thing with my, my one-on-one -on -one practice right now is like I had set my packages up to include certain lab tests and one of those lab test companies just basically imploded and no longer offers those labs. So I'm still a little bit dealing with that. You know, other than that, the biggest challenge is the same that it is for most people, which is time. You know, basically since October, the way my husband describes it is that I've been working three full-time jobs between developing the cookbook, launching the course, and then my client load. 
you know, um, on the other hand, what's been easier than expected, I think I was letting my money mindset affect my pricing strategy early on. So every time I raise my prices, I have that thought, like no one will ever possibly pay this, but they're still buying. And you know, it's business 101 with supply and demand. There's only so much supply, which is me. And you know, so the prices keep going up, you know, but the demand is enormous. Um, Right now I actually have 190 on my wait list. Amazing. Congratulations. It's crazy. crazy. So yeah, that it's funny because I always, you know, in the beginning when I would sweat like a $20 increase or a $50 increase, it's like not even in that ballpark anymore, you know? And I think that's really inspiring for, for the listeners to think. And again, full circle, you built this wait list 90 something percent from Instagram. It's possible for the listeners and you've done it. And I love that you can look back and say, I used to sweat a pricing increase tied to your mindset, which we all have. We've all struggled with that. And now you're able to look back and see how far you've come and celebrating that win in this interview is, is like really, really helpful for everybody listening. Good. Good guess. Yeah. Really nice. And what do you wish you would have known when you were starting out? Oh, I actually wrote an article. If you go to my site, um, avocadogrovenutrition.com, and you click the RDs under the blog, um, I did write, write a post about starting, uh, uh, you know, tips and tricks for starting a practice. Because um, I do get so, so many. I mean, in addition to, to customers, I get so many questions from other RDs about how I started my business, how, you know, that sort of thing. So I just kind of like invested the time to do it all once, spell it all out. So I've got all all the things I use in there. I would say probably the biggest takeaway from that is don't be afraid to invest money to make money. You know, I see so many dietitians in Facebook groups, like, you know, worried about spending the money for a proper EHR or, you know, things like that. And it's, it's like, you know, you don't want to cobble together something that looks unprofessional, like spend the money, they will come, you know, and same thing with the development of my course, you know, I've always kind of, you know, approached it from that mindset is like, what am I going to need later? So like, signing up with ConvertKit right away instead of trying to make do with like the free MailChimp. Because you know what? Then a year later when I was crazy busy, I didn't have to take the time to move everything over because I already had it. I totally, totally agree with that, by the way. I have a bone to pick with MailChimp. Yeah, I I hate MailChimp. It's like not intuitive. I just, I find ConvertKit to be for a, you know, someone with a writing background, it's like, I can literally just kind of write in there and it, it works fine. And I, it's very visual, um, the way the, um, funnels are set up as well. Um, so it's, it's super easy for me to use and it, it grows with you. Um, you know, it starts at a relative, I think it starts at like $29 a month. And yeah, in the first three months of my business, I made zero money, but you know, it made up for it later and absolutely, you know, everything's done and in there. So yeah, I've had clients that have had to go back, multiple clients have had to go back with their MailChimp and like, you know, take those manually, take the people over to ConvertKit. And I mean, it doesn't have to be ConvertKit. You can use any other email service provider, but that has happened multiple times. And I'm like, you know, you could have just went with ConvertKit. 
in the first place. So um, yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I luckily did ConvertKit from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also, you know, I would also say, you know, in the beginning when you're first starting out, you know, focusing on collaboration with other people in your niche. Um, definitely a big fan of that. I've made some really valuable, um, you know, not just from a business perspective, but really good relationship connections with other dietitians in my niche just simply because of the content I put out. And then we start chatting and, you know, then every time I go to Fancy, it's like a big hug party, you know, but you know, the more you can share what other people are doing, if you think it's appropriate for your audience, um, if you can help someone out who has, you know, fewer followers than you do, um, you know, I always try to try to boost other dietitians work because, you know, when you think about all the other people out there promoting nutrition and health content, like I'd rather my audience see what other dietitians are putting out because I know that's good content um, and it's scientifically sound, you know, so that's the kind of stuff I want to expose them to. And it also gives me stuff to share in my stories, you know, so just to keep your stories going all day, that's, you know, one of the other things I most commonly share in stories is other dietitians posts. Yeah. And I I love the whole concept. Obviously, I'm a big fan of like women helping women, dietitians helping dietitians. And I think it's a really nice way for us to empower each other. And then for us to break through some of the archaic like belief systems in our field and some of the messaging that we've been told that we, for example, can't make money right away or all those types of things. So it, it only helps us if we can help each other. Right. Like clearly, you know, I have a wait list of 190. There's enough work to go around. Like I'm not worried. I refer, like if someone wants to work with someone with me sooner and I'm like, listen, it's probably going to take four to six months. I will refer them to a colleague if, you know, they have an opening and I know they have an opening. Yeah. And that's another benefit of that collaboration mindset, because at the end of the day, we're helping our clients, right? It's funny. I I also see a lot like dietitians who are down about the fact that so many of their followers are other dietitians um, as opposed to ideal clients. And I I definitely do have a very large dietitian following. But I have to say like dietitians are your best referrers. They refer their sisters and their friends. Um, I've had a surprising number of dietitian clients because you know, if you specialize in renal or clinical, you don't know anything about fertility, nutrition, or you've just been diagnosed with PCOS, like, I would go to a renal dietitian if I needed, you know, help there or a, you know, oncology dietitian if I needed help with that. So I think, you know, knowing what other people's niches are um, helps you to sort of like, if you do get those non-appropriate clients in your DMs, um, you can say, hey, my friend so-and-so does this. I highly recommend her, you know, which I do that kind of stuff all the time. I love that. I love your abundance mindset, which has been a theme throughout this entire (laughs) episode. And I really like that reframe because I do hear that quite often complaints like, oh, I only have dietitians. And again, an example of reframing that would say going from I only have dietitians to saying, I am, you know, supportive and happy and fortunate to have these followers. How can I build relationships? And then how can I ultimately help serve my clients better? And you have shown how you're able to do that with dietitian followers 
who some might even be ideal clients, but not assuming that they would be, but building that relationship has helped you serve your bottom line. So wonderful storytelling. Yep. Love that. And then if you could just end us off today with letting us know what's next in your business. Yeah. So I'm actually really excited. I was planning on relaunching my PCOS course uh, in April, but I've kind of been taking the temperature of what's going on. You know, I do think now that people are, are starting to accept, you know, the situation is what it is. They'll be able to start thinking about like, well, what am I going to do to entertain myself? So I do think, you know, using some sensitive marketing will be, would still be an okay time to launch the course. You know, I, I won't, uh, in the fall, I'll do a relaunch with like all the bells and whistles. I tried to just kind of like get it out there as quickly as possible for January. You know, and it continue to build out my PCOS offers. So, you know, the low, medium, high, and then I want to move on and start building out my fertility offers and other hormone condition offers. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that I was already set up to be hundred percent virtual before the shutdowns happened. I've been kind of continually surveying my audience right now to see what they want for me at this time. <laughs> You know, they say they want normal stuff, but they're not engaging with normal stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then I'm about to open my wait list, which I've had in place while I was completing the, the book. And then from a personal and business growth perspective, um, my goals this year are really to focus on SEO. That's sort of the next thing for me is um, I, I got this gorgeous, beautiful website. So now that I have that site, um, I'm going to start working on SEO. Um, and I also want to get a better, better handle on Facebook ads. I kind of like take courses and hire coaches based on what my, you know, specific need is at the time. So those I think are my next two biggest needs to, to really get under control because now my practice is kind of on autopilot and my Instagram's in a good place. And then I've got a book coming out in August. So it's a PCOS meal prep cookbook with a publisher. So um, that's really exciting. And they found me on Instagram as well. Amazing. Amazing. I know. Um, and then I also, thank you. And I also was just elected chair elect of the dietitians in integrative and functional medicine groups. So really excited to get started with that and transition out of the social media chair role for that. Cause I post their social media in you know, eight, 19,000 followers on Facebook. We do three posts a day on Facebook. I do Instagram. I do Twitter for them. And I have for the last two years. So a little excited about, uh, you know, changing my role in that yeah, group. Absolutely. And I will, you know, we'll all make sure to be able to support and watch you grow. So that is actually something else that I would add to, um, you know, when dietitians are first starting out, you know, get involved, especially if you're young. Boards like are desperate for young people with fresh ideas. You know, I got I got involved with my state board pretty early on, and then the DIFM opportunity came up, and I was like, sure, why not? But the connections you make are invaluable. You get to, you know, travel to the conferences and and interact with people who are inspirational. I mean, the different board is just, they blow me away with their, you know, they're all really brilliant 
um, and smart marketers too. So and inspiring. Um, but yeah, get involved because the networking, because you never know what's going to lead to what down the road. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.